Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest episode. Who do we have? And since January 27th, Alex, since we had you on. So I am massively failing at having you on the show. But Alexander Rossi, welcome back. Jeez, dude, it's been a year. I suck. No, thank you. I mean, you didn't have any reason to have me on. So you got me after Daytona and now it's the Baja. So it's all good. I get it. I'm all about the Baja. The, you, the fact you drive an Indy car, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. Well, congratulations. We got some great questions. A lot of folks super excited about that as well. We've been having folks recently like Pruitt, like where's where's Rossi? So I'm glad we're solving that problem. Let me say uh, cool. a quick thank you to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com for supporting all that we do. So why don't we dive straight in? Uh, got some Fun stuff to kick off about Baja with you having won, was it class seven that you were in? Yep, correct. Uh, having won that with Honda, you, you've you now, this is starting to become an off-season tradition for you for sure. Tell me about this, man. Ron Thompson saying this event seems so primal, like big game hunting in a jungle. Yes, how or what do you compare it to, Alex? And how have your thoughts and feelings changed to it? Uh, maybe year to year as you've done it. Yeah, I mean that's primal is a good adjective for sure. It's um, it, it's a race that I'm I'm always fascinated that you know we're in 2021 and it's still happening like in in the in the in the in the fashion that it does like it's it's so old school in, in so many respects and it's truly a, a a race still of who can get from Ensenada down to La Paz fastest. You know there is kind of a suggested course. There are some virtual and and physical checkpoints that you have to go through. But other than that, I mean it's it's pretty much a free-for-all and it's it's an open playbook and you can do whatever you want. So it's um it's 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 that's the reason why it's so awesome. It's it's such a joy to to compete in it. Obviously the machinery, um the Honda Ridgeline is is uh, out of control in terms of its capability and every time I drive it I have to like reestablish personal limits of, of what I think something some some six seven thousand pound vehicle is capable of um, but yeah I mean I, I I love the event I love I love the how the country embraces it I love um, the the competition in it there's there's so many positive things about it and, and now that we've won I'll be honest I'm 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 gonna probably table it for a while just because you know it's there is a lot of risk in it in 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 a lot of different aspects, whether that's terrain or whether that's, um, you know, some of the roads, whether that's locals, whether that's just the inherent danger of, of racing at high speeds to the desert, like that there are risks. And so when it's not your day job, you know, it's, it's hard to, to sometimes justify taking those risks. So, so now that we won, I'm, I'm good for the time being, I, I, I will go back, but it's, it's not on, on my immediate horizon. That's for sure. So, I think of like Dario Franchitti in one of his contracts. Uh, he was able to keep his Renard, whatever, Honda-powered cart Indy car if he reached some milestone. Did you negotiate anything cool? Like if we win the race, I get to keep the truck? That would have been smart. I should have done that ahead of time. Um, but no, I don't carry quite the same horsepower as a Fernando Alonso does that gets a gets a replica of his car for every every contract he signs but um no i mean i i'm just so thankful to to, to really honda hpd and and the the team you know proctor racing group who allowed me to compete in in their in their indy 500 in their biggest event 
as someone who had no dirt experience and no desert racing experience and, you know, was learning on the fly, you know, in 18 and 19 and, and certainly made some mistakes and, you know, they, they wanted to finish the, the story as much as I did. So for us to be able to go out there this year and, and, and execute it and get it done for, for the whole group, um, was, was awesome. And, and I'm incredibly thankful for the opportunity. So driving your number 27 Napa and ready out of sport Honda, low ride height, stiffly sprung, go to a place like Nashville, for example, going over the bridge and I have to believe that your back and spine takes a pretty good pounding in your proverbial day job. Yep. Tell folks what it's like in this thing that is really not meant to be on the ground very often. It's meant to jump over big things and land. And I know the dampers obviously are giant and control the ride a bit, but is this a thing where you're kind of walking around with a cane like you're 90 years old after getting out of the thing? How do you deal with that? No, honestly, I mean, it's pretty plush. You know, I mean, there's you're on 40-inch tires with – you know, almost five feet of suspension travel. Um, so, I mean, you can you can pretty much drive over a school bus, and it's not a huge problem. So, I mean, it's your your head takes a pounding. You know, it's it's a lot of it's 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 very mental. You know, you're you're judging your speed and and everything based on kind of terrain that you can see in front of you. You know, the truck may be able to, to go through a certain section at 120 miles an hour, and, and shortly thereafter, it can only go over a certain section at 40 miles an hour without going end over end or something. So you're constantly trying to read that and adapt. Um, you're racing in, in obviously, night, but you're racing in fog. You're racing in dust. You're racing in, in sunrise. You're, there's so many different elements um, that, that make just seeing challenging when that's the only thing you have to rely upon. Um, it's... It's a big mental game. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, the, the truck moves around a lot at 120 miles an hour. You know, it's, it's you know, the, the platform is pretty stable, but you're, it doesn't go straight. Like you're, you're chasing it. It's walking around, um, you know, searching for a groove and it's losing traction on, I mean, it's all dirt, right? So it's, it's always moving and you're always having to stay on top of it from, from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, the capability of the trucks and it's actually quite friendly on the drivers. Chris, the, the worst part is when you drive through cactuses and then you're sitting on cactuses and bouncing up and down on a cactus. Um, that's, yes. That's we had a question there, but I think we kind of covered that up. So we're going to declare that as not positive. Okay. Just wanted to be sure yes, there's correct. some folks yeah. who might like that, but uh, Chris <laughs> Whedon is curious. What's the feeling like piloting a race truck at night in the middle of nowhere going over hundred miles an hour? Cause I have to imagine there's some stories of a from a 300 mile stint at night that would scare the death out of me man yeah i mean it's it's wild you feel completely just like there was one section where it was it was kind of this dried lake bed and you were going across it and you're flat top of six gear 130 odd miles an hour and you you're only seeing what your headlights are seeing and you you honestly outrun the headlights over 90 miles an hour so you're kind of just driving by feel and just looking at the GPS map and knowing that it's still a straight line and you're hoping there's nothing out there type of thing. And you're completely out of radio re reception. Um, you're just by yourself. It's, it feels like you're on another planet. It's really crazy. I mean, the, 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 the lights give a kind of a reddish tint to everything and it's, it's out of control. Like it, it's really something that's very hard to explain and something that I would encourage Honestly, anyone that has a passion for, for racing 
and has time on their hands. Like you can go do Baja in anything. Like you don't have to be in a race truck. Like I think it is an experience that everyone who is a fan of motorsports should go like try and be involved in whether you're actually driving, whether you're a part of a chase team, you know, so many of these teams work on volunteers just because it's such a huge effort to, to have a 1200 mile race and have the chase vehicles and people in them and people to, to service the truck and, and all those sort of things. Like, but to go be a part of it is, is I think something that everyone should have on their bucket list. I've been to one off road event, uh, geez, 15 plus years ago. Uh, the king of the hammers, I believe it was. Yeah. 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 It blew me away, man. Like, yeah spending my life in racing and open wheel and blah, blah, blah. You know, you get accustomed to, wow, this is a pro setup and this is what a really awesome team looks like. And this is some of the lesser teams I get there thinking none of this is going to measure up to what I've known an Indy car or sports cars or whatever. And it's like, no, it's just dirtier. That's all yeah, it is. It's, it's just, we're same, talking just dirt, dirtier. but it's yeah. like, you know, this is as badass. There are team Penske's there. They're in Dreddy yeah. Auto Sports there. There's that caliber uh, of teams. And, you know, anyways, it was just so impressive. Destroyed any preconceived notion that this was, you know, a little more weekend warrior than than true pro. So for sure, I love that call. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeff Wallace is curious, maybe following that topic. What's your opinion about the skills demonstrated by the top trophy truck drivers and whatnot? Uh, are you impressed by the top drivers in this form of racing? Was there anyone who lent you any advice uh, as well? So what do you think? Are there, you know, off-road Alexander Rossi's that folks should be following? Yeah, I mean, I think all, like like anything in, in life, in motorsports, in whatever, art, you, you look at people at the top of their profession and they're experts at what they do and, and they're they're awesome at, at that. And I think, you know, you've got your your – mcmillan family so you're andy luke and dan mcmillan um who are who are superstars you have uh, bryce menzies um you've got kind of the older guy who's won over however many like i think over six baja 1000s and in, in rob mccachran yeah like you've got you've got kind of the same kind of thing you've got the scott dixons right and, and rob and you've got all these young guys um who who have been in it you know, since the beginning racing and on in short track and it, it Crandon and all this sort of things. And they're trying to, to prove themselves in kind of the, the, the desert racing elite. And, and it's the same thing, man. It's, 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 I was watching around race mile six twenty, which is about halfway through the race and first and second in trophy truck were separated by less than 10 seconds. Like it's, it's the same thing as, is watching petite, right. And seeing after 10 hours that the final, the race win in the championship comes down to the last corner of the last lap. Like it's, it's the same now in, in anything that you watch. And I think that, you know, people that cast one type of series or form of motorsports aside because of whatever reasons is wrong. Like, cause all these guys that are winning are pretty awesome in what they do. Last thing here. So you entering this for the first time. The cool kind of fish out of water thing. Hey, Indy 500 winner, IndyCar star, right? Like this is guy coming from another discipline, trying this out. What's the the difference in reception or respect or whatever you might say, Alex, after doing it two, three times and now winning your class? Was this more of a feeling in speaking to other teams, drivers, fans, whatever, that like, all right, you're 
one of us now. Uh, did you get to that place? Yeah, I, I certainly felt that this year. Um, you know, especially after so 2018. You're absolutely right. I was kind of the the new guy, and it was the trying trying something new as as a as a famous guy from some other series, right? That was kind of the reception. Like, cool, whatever. 19, it was a little bit of the same, but then we had a pretty big crash. And, you know, that was fairly public. Um, and so then I think a lot of people were A, surprised, but B, really happy to see me come back in 2021. I didn't go back in 2020, not because of that, just purely because of the way schedules worked out um, with, with COVID and, and everything moving around. I just couldn't do it last year. So everyone was happy to see me come back after an incident and kind of like in, in their minds, get back on the horse and such. And then after winning, like there was a lot of, I got a lot of people in the series reach out, um, that were super pumped about it and, you know, want, want to actually see me go do some of the, the dirt races in, in the States. Um, you know, you know, Vegas to Reno and, and stuff like that is a very different, um, type of event than, than a Baja 1000 or a Baja 500 and, and a little bit more structured from that standpoint. So that's something that, you know, potentially I do, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was a, a shift certainly this year from kind of just being the, the guy that's doing this for exposure to no, this is a guy that actually likes it and, 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 you know, sees and, and gives us the respect that we feel that we deserve. So I think that was pretty cool. That's so awesome got a couple folks asking similar type things or making similar type statements uh jc charles in db i love social media screen names uh (laughs) saying that he appreciates your old school racer anything with four wheels and you're there uh open wheel endurance racing sports cars baja curious if you have i don't know dakar on the horizon or what else might be uh on the list but you also have a lot of folks saying hey man indy 500 winner Rolex 24 at Daytona overall winner with Wayne Taylor racing and now Baja does things like that. When you start piling those big event victories on top of one another, do those resonate with you now? Or are you the type of person to compartmentalize and say, Hey, 10, 20 years from now when I've retired, then I'll, I'll maybe bask in some of what I've achieved. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be easier if, if things on the, the day job front had been, had been going smoother. Right, fair you know, point. If we were if we were coming off a you know a championship contention year type thing and went and did it, yeah, I mean it, it would be a great way to cap a year. Um, in in the way that it all worked out this year with it being able to bookend the year with you know obviously winning Rolex, uh, winning Daytona in, in twenty four, sorry, winning Daytona in January, and then winning um, Baja you know last weekend, it just brings a little bit of silver lining to what was otherwise a pretty dreary 2021. So from that standpoint, yes, it's nice. Um, but ultimately, you know, one of the main reasons I'm not really looking at anything on the horizon for 2022, aside from, um, you know, the, the, the 24 hours, just, I, I want to make sure that every, every ounce of every focus and, and time and, and mental capacity is, is solely on, on the IndyCar program and what we have going on there. So it's, it's a critical year for me in, in a lot of respects, and, and I just want to make sure that that's what we're doing and, and all the other stuff, you know, I'll, I'll revisit in the future, but it's not on my, my immediate uh, horizon as of now. That's a really interesting move and one that I, uh, again, it's, it's typical you, of looking at what is most important and then applying full focus to it. We've got a couple more Baja or similar related questions we'll come back to in a minute, but 
why don't we talk about the last two IndyCar seasons for you? Because they are atypical. You, as I get asked and others get asked all the time, what happened? What's wrong? What's broken? And it's like, Alexander hasn't forgotten how to drive. Um, Jeremy and the engineering group haven't forgotten how to engineer, you know, run down the list. No one's forgotten how to win races and vie for championships. Two years in a row of the cartoon anvil just wearing you out, though, that is certainly unusual. Where's your head at going into 2022? Is it the last two years have been a bit of an aberration? Uh, Don't let that sink in. Are you even more fired up for the revenge tour to go win 17 races straight? Like, How do you contextualize two years of disappointment with knowing that that's not you, there's nothing broken, you can still go be a champion next year? Is that something that floats around in your head and you have to manage? Oh, yeah. I mean, you. All, I mean, it's human nature. You, you, of course, have to manage that. Um, and I think the, the easiest answer, like... Yes, the cartoon anvil in in some respects. Yeah, I mean we we had some shitty situations, but I mean that's life. I mean you know Joseph had his fair share uh, this year as well. Like so did Colton, right? Um, but that still doesn't that still isn't the the full. It, you can't blame that completely, right? Um, you got to learn from from your deficits and and where you're you're not good enough. And and honestly, like you know you it, it's it all starts back in 2020 at the beginning. We had. The addition of the aero screen, um, which changed a lot of the car um, from kind of the way that, that you drive it um, to the way it's set up. And you coupled that with you know the, the huge change in schedules and limited testing and practice time and everything. And that was really our 2020. Like that, that compounded through most of the year. On the second half of the year, we, we found some direction and we found some things that they were good, and, and I think we got a lot of the, the correlation right from kind of the how do we need to offset our, our race-winning setups for the aero screen. And I think we went into 2021 with with really high hopes of, of how it was all going to shake out. And if anything, we we went into it, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it, of, oh, this is going to be, you know, everything's going to be rectified, it's going to be easy, we've got it sorted out, we're just going to go win. And that's that's the wrong attitude to have, um, and and so I think you know we we had some glimpses of, of really positive things in in 2022. There's a lot of really positive things to that we are still building on um, going into next year. But purely next year, it's I, I mean a championship is really irrelevant in a lot of respects. Um, we just need to get back to to winning races, and and that's our thing, right? We need to show up at the racetrack enjoy what we do. Don't think about what's going to happen in September. Um, take it, take the here and now and, you know, take what you can get. And, and, and that needs to be wins and podiums and, and the rest will, uh, it's a cliche thing to say the rest takes care of itself, but quite frankly, we haven't won a race in two years. So we just need to get back to victory lane and then move on from, from whatever, whatever, um, negative things have happened in the past. I was hoping you were going to combine my two favorite cliches, the, what I call the Juan Montoya special of at the end of the day, it is what yeah. it is. Um, yeah. Maybe stick with this for one more second because I'm curious how this modifier adjusts things. So it'd be one thing if the full Andretti Autosport team was struggling uh, at the onset of, of 2020 and remained. There was often an outlier in young, stringy-haired Colton Herta. I'm not saying he was always up front and everyone else is at back. I'm not saying that, but... He definitely able to put together some wins, uh, yeah. some podiums. There were many 
too many races maybe where you go, man, Rossi should be winning, Hunter Ray should be winning, etc. But they're back in P11, 12, whatever, and Colton's up front. That's how do you process that? Because if we're looking for linearity, sure, is he linearity proof or is he the bringer of linear? I don't know, but no, that has to be so, a weird I mean, thing to, to understand too. Yeah, I mean, not really. There's no mysteries in in, in motorsports. Um, you know, I, I think he obviously he's he's exceptionally um, talented. You know, him and Nathan found a, a really good um, rhythm and, and are just. They they aren't looking for anything, so they they are able to show up, and they have their setup, and they run it, and it's quick and it's fine, you know. For up until I want to say really the end of August, when when we had a Laguna test, you know, I I would always have to revert to Colton's setup in some capacity, and and frankly can't drive it. Um, like, and it, it's hard to to ignore the so. What is it about back, his his up, needs that up, differ? It's it's impossible to explain, honestly. But <laughs> backing up backing up to the thousand foot view from the three hundred foot view is our street course package is awesome. We me and Colton can drive the same race car on street courses. It's not a problem. We are within half a degree of front wing every street course we go to, and most of the time, I feel like we're the two quickest cars on track. Period. So that's street courses. Ovals, I feel like we, aside from the the 500, we're both, you know, we both are looking for something. Um, You know, I think St. Louis was a huge step forward for us this year. It surprised kind of all of us that we we had pace there, um, the the two of us. But still, I think ovals are are kind of a question mark um, for the organization. And the the big difference was road courses. So I, I... the 26 car has a road course set up, whether that's Road America, Mid-Ohio, Barber, whatever, and that works for them. For me, I was having to, to bring a completely different car to all of these tracks and with the limited practice, just couldn't get it in the window um, and then would end up reverting to his car, which was quick, and then still realizing that you know I was still two and a half, three tenths off of him in his car. Um and so it wasn't until August where we actually found a road course car. And we took that road course car to Portland and qualified on the front row, took that road course car to Laguna, qualified on the front row. And things were starting to trend in a direction that were, were really positive. So ultimately, we didn't get any results out of those. Um, and then Long Beach, you know, I think, you know, him and I were going, we were strategizing all day Saturday how we were going to one up each other for pole and, and how we were going to go against it. Um, go up against each other and neither of us made it out of Q1. Um, and then, you know, he obviously went on to win the race and and I think we could have also had that opportunity, but we had some, some components break pretty early on, um, potentially from that whole warm up issue with Elio. So there's, there's always a reason in racing, but I think the big thing for us on the 27 side was we didn't have a road course car that we were comfortable with and, and that is now behind us. So, um, going into St. Pete, we know that that car will be fast, and then hopefully going into uh, whatever the first road course is, Barber, we, that all translates um, here in a couple of months. So you tend to be a fairly cool, measured person. You're again, you, you're smart guy, observational guy. You you stay within yourself fairly well. I appreciate your mentioning the 
Elio warm-up situation because when I was watching the footage from a couple days ago of the uh, NBA game between the Lakers and Pistons uh, where LeBron hit uh, Isaiah Washington in the head and there was that big kind of scrum. I don't know if you saw any of that, but um, the Washington kid like kept kind of walking away, pretending like he was calming down and then kept running back trying to get at LeBron. Like this big thing, like, wow, dude, it wasn't good, but let it go. Right. That Elio situation, again, maybe more of a humorous question than anything, but have you ever seen a most uh, a more misguided dude? What are you this wound up about? I did not kill your dog. I didn't steal your car. Like, where is this coming from? I didn't get it. Did you ever understand or did you just stand back and go, brother, I guess we all we all have our little moments and we're just going to let you go. No, I mean, so <laughs> he actually came up and apologized to me at driver intros. I think I think it was funny. So you you know, obviously we have the the technical partnership with MSR and, and all this stuff. And it was funny because me and Jeremy and really the entire engineering office, we found it hilarious, but we were also waiting for his onboard to get uploaded <laughs> so we could all watch it. And to this day it still hasn't. So I think I think he watched it and then realized that maybe he in the moment saw things differently delete button yeah and then it then it never it never appeared and then i got an apology and then we went to dinner in atlanta for petite and we're we're all good so okay. no, i think it was one of those moments where in the heat of the moment whatever he was thought that there was a certain thing that happened that didn't and it's fine elio is is a very emotional guy mostly 99 percent of the time in a positive way so i you can't really hold it against him. He's totally like everyone's ride or die. Like if there's something that goes down, you know, you want that guy's emotion on your side. Um, For sure. How funny. Uh, let's see. Let's get back to some more fun questions here. I won't correct dear Nathan uh, Spicer who sent this in. Said, Alex, is there any chance you might race at Le Mans? That would be awesome if you could. Having seen you race there, I'll let you answer this one for him. Yes. Any interest in yeah. going back maybe? Um, for sure. I mean, I think certainly it's, it's very much on, on my radar, especially with the LMDH program and everything that's, that's happening from that standpoint in 2023. Um, so yes. And, and to be able to potentially go back and, and fight for an overall, you know, when I went there it was just, a, a in a P2 car. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly on my radar and we'll see, we'll see what the future brings in, in 23 with, the the new the new car and, and everything that 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 has going for it do you like that aspect alex that on top of open wheel being the the heart of your world since you were a kid you haven't just dabbled in sports cars it's become a real serious addition to your uh your overall talents achievements i know you said next year you're going to be you know dialing back for the most part trying to focus on indycar but do you appreciate the fact that at a still relatively young age, you've been able to open up this kind of secondary uh, motor racing stream for yourself where you're truly valued uh, there? You're not just kind of interloper coming to play every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it, it was intentional um, to, to kind of – that wasn't the goal. The goal was to, to try and, you know, win Daytona um, and to – stay yeah maybe it was the goal maybe just not consciously um because i didn't want to just do daytona like i wanted to do sebring and i wanted to do petite and i wanted to do 
um, the six hours of, of the Glenn and stuff. So yeah, I guess maybe on a subconscious level, I, you know, I was, I was trying to, to, to prove my value to another paddock or whatever, but ultimately all of this was really because of Honda. Um, you know, I, I'm in such a fortunate situation to be able to drive for a manufacturer that is involved in so many different series and championships and i don't think there's any manufacturer that can say the same thing about the diversity that honda has whether it's on the professional side or or even on the 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 kind of amateur side like they're just in everything so that's really afforded all of me these opportunities and really it was to continue building my relationship with them um which was the the main motivator but yes it's it's certainly nice to to be able to have conversations with teams about hey what do you are you looking at doing Lamar and LMDH and what were your thoughts on that and would you be available and all that sort of thing. So it's kind of a, a blessing that's come out of it unintentionally. Um, but also it's, it, it is a very positive things when, when you put it the way that you did. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm going to be thankful for as we head into Thanksgiving tomorrow. You've driven the Delta wing. I mean, if that yeah, isn't wow. like sports car commitment, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's yeah, that was a, that was, that was a thing that I did. Yeah. That was a vehicle. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm going to go a little bit rapid fire here to uh, to okay. close the show because we've got a bunch of fun kind of short questions. This yep. one is from a gentleman by the name of Alex. He says, how do you handle being called Alexander? He says, as an Alex, I couldn't stand being called the full name all the time like you are. I'll just mention, I met you and only knew you as Alexander. And it honestly took me a couple of years to feel comfortable to shorten that and call you Alex and I think the first time I did, I kind of looked to see if you reacted funny, like, hey, idiot, uh, add the extra letters. But anyways, he doesn't like Alexander. He likes Alex. What about you? Where are you at in this uh, this topic? I do not mind. I, I Yes, friends call me Alex. People, did, all of my social media and media is Alexander, so it doesn't matter to me. Who cares? I often refer to you as Alejandro on my listener That's Q&A podcast. Yep, so. that, that, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. Chris Hoffman says... Alex, you seem to like to learn new skills. That's a rarity. Most people hate that. Uh, now that you have your pilot's license, what's next on your list of new skills to learn? I would really like to learn how to play a musical instrument, whether it's a piano or a guitar or something. Go for the guitar. Uh, okay. Fewer people involved in moving that one. Um, Ed Joris says, the great race called and wants you back. Who's your partner going to be if Connor begs off? I don't care. We'll never go back. I think that's the absolutely perfect answer. Uh, I think you've gotten this one like 57 times before, but hey, Jason Hatfield is curious. If you were stuck on an island with one of your current or former teammates, which one would you want to be stuck with? Or maybe is there one where you're like, there's no way in hell that person's going to be with me on an island? Um, Probably Marco, both for the positives and the negatives. So. Yeah, he'd have like Luda or someone come by right. on their plane and, and pick right. you guys up. Yes, there. Yes, there'd be bourbon there, so that's fine. <laughs> All right, this one's a little bit serious. Uh, Zach Zachary Brown, twelve. He's curious. Well, losing two IndyCar veteran teammates in favor of a rookie and someone still fairly new to IndyCar present any new challenges from your end when we get into next season. Um, no, no new challenges. I think, I, I think, you know, keeping 50% of the driver lineups the same, right? So I think that that's more than enough, sorry, more than enough to keep the continuity. So nope. And it's, I don't really think we can call Roma a rookie or inexperienced. I think he'll be 
adding value to the team from day one. So it's all good. Uh, Mitsuki Matsura asks, I'd like to know what is your best memory with Hinch and Ryan Hunter Ray from your time with him as your teammate? And is there really a best memory with Hinch? So it's a little front loaded there. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing. I spend, I spend an exorbitant amount of time with James anyways, <laughs> completely away from racing. So James and I, yeah, the, yeah. I don't know. Um, we probably spend less time together at the racetrack than we actually do in real life. You've built <laughs> up a tolerance, is what you're, what's what you're saying, like bourbon, <laughs> like you alcohol. Know, he's he's probably built up a tolerance to me more than the All other right. way around. Um, but no, I mean Ryan. Ryan, the the best thing about Ryan is his yacht, his ship in Florida. So we 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 have a good time on his boat down there, which is very nice of him to invite us. If zombies arrive, that that yacht is going to be salvation for sure oh for sure uh let's see james lau says uh does this baja win mean that your revenge tour is now officially on i love the revenge tour thing it might be the my most favorite thing i've ever heard attached to you well let's win saint pete and then it'll be on all right uh let's see lance snyder i lovingly refer to lance as the minister of mirth on my podcast says what is more painful Cactus in your lap or dealing with your off track with Hinch and Rossi producer, Thim? There's always a, a Thim question. Yes. Um, I would have to say on this particular occasion, cacti all over you is way worse. Let's see. Andrew Miller, penultimate question goes to him. Who would be the second fastest Baja racer in the IndyCar paddock? Have you kind of scoped out or sized up any of your, your rival IndyCar drivers and said, eh, you might actually be okay in the dirt? I think Simon would be really good at it um, just because he's, he's like addicted to route, like, like whatever it is, stage rally racing, um, and he's watching it on his phone all the time, so I think he'd, he'd be plug and play. Yeah, uh, that's a good call. All right, we're going to close the show with uh, one of the, the great folks uh, who listens to this nonsense that I do, John. Wojnar, uh, he and some others formed a listener group, Alex. Uh, they modeled it after my favorite WWE tag team, The New Day. So uh, he says, Alex, the Marshall Pruitt podcast has the hashtag Day as its listener group. Uh, what do you call Off Track's devoted group of listeners? Maybe the hashtag Hinchpins or maybe the hashtag Philadelphia 76ers? Do you have a dedicated listener group? I certainly don't think so. I don't know why they would be dedicated to listening to us ramble on about nothing. Um, but I hinge pins is pretty. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah, I like that. The other one didn't make any sense, but the hinge pins is cool. Look, and uh, Wojnar, we love the guy. We don't really understand him that often as well. But maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe the listeners of my podcast can help come up with a proper name for the listeners of yours. So. There you go. There you go. Alex, Alexander, Alejandro, Rossi, appreciate you and appreciate you taking some time here. Definitely going to make sure that I don't wait almost a year to have you back and hopefully not too far into the upcoming IndyCar season. We're just talking about wins and normalcy and being on the championship track. So thanks again, brother. Enjoy your, uh, your days off here and we'll speak soon. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful holiday, and we'll see you on the other side.